0: hello it's zoe and welcome or welcome back to the mischief movement podcast your weekly inspo for people looking for more hell yeah in their life consider this your one-way ticket out of midlife mediocrity towards fun and positive impact via playful disruption wouldn't you love to wake up and feel like a total badass how about breaking some rules throwing two fingers up to society and doing more of the things you love I'm talking full-on freedom, adventure, and those meaningful connections I know you've been craving. Stop waiting for your amazing life to happen and go get it. I'll be picking the brains of some true game changers and mischief makers so I can share what I find and hopefully inspire you to shake things up, do more of what makes you feel alive, and boldly rebel against the ordinary. I've no idea what I'm doing, to be honest, but I've got a mission and I'm here to start a movement. It's gonna be quite the adventure. Care to join me? Okay, here goes. Hello, you beautiful, badass humans. Sarah Bell is an exceptionally talented musician, producer and creative coach, who I'm privileged to call my friend and fellow mischief maker. She won't mind me telling you that her creativity, although already evident at high school, took a 10 year hiatus in adulthood after the band she'd been touring with separated. Faced with a gut-wrenching decision to try again in music or take the seemingly safer option with a normal but soul-sucking career, she did what many of us creatives do and put the musical dream aside. In this frank conversation, we discuss the need to trust yourself, how to cultivate confidence when you're absolutely shitting yourself, and the importance of accepting who you are so you can show up as you and truly own your power. Go grab a notebook, you'll definitely want to remember her words. Well, I'm here with Sarah Bell. Hi, Sarah hello i'm so so glad to to be here
1: (laughs) yes thank you so much for having me on your podcast i've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time i know because it's taken me a long time (laughs) to actually do it yeah and then i've been impossible to pin down as well like (laughs) ladies building
0: empires you know know, between the two of us exactly (laughs) (laughs) so do you want to tell everybody um who you are and what you do
1: yeah so as you say Uh, My name is Sarah. I am a musician, a composer, a producer and a performer. I'm based in London, UK. And I have been, my main instrument is bass, which I've been playing for a long time since uh, secondary school. We'll say long time and leave it there, thanks. (laughs) And um, my philosophy with creating music, because it took me a long time to actually journey from working with others, collaborating, being in other people's projects, but kind of always knowing deep down that there were things that I wanted to explore fully um, as an artist in my own right. And it took me a long time to settle on the fact that I'm a bass player. That's what I do. And I'm going to use this instrument, this tool, these skills that I have to create music that makes people dance, that Transports them to a place where you're not hung up on how you look or how much money you've got or what your clothes are saying you're just in a state of bliss because I think when you're dancing to your favorite song um you are completely transported. you are just embodied in joy and light and freeness hundred percent and that's so hard to come by so hard to come by these days particularly if you watch the news which I don't do no don't don't do it (laughs) don't don't watch the news (laughs) but um yeah so my my philosophy in life is all about freedom you know we should all feel free in this world to to be ourselves to express ourselves to invite connection in a way that feels authentic and that, mm-hmm. for me that's that's music um when I'm listening to music creating music singing along whatever it might be oh on a vibrational level it's just absolute bliss <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that's why you and I get on so well because we share those values of like freedom and connection and stuff oh, yeah absolutely
1: and it's kind of that so sort of having that bedrock that foundation with how you move through life it just gives you I mean it just kind of greases the wheels a little bit doesn't it it's like okay I'm just going to move towards the things the places the people that reflect that you know mm. and I think um even just with our kind of f- friendship like that has been sort of undermining part like how can I help you feel free (laughs) and vice versa. And yeah, I've just, every conversation we've had since our um, fortuitous meeting, um, yeah, has just always filled me with so much joy.
0: Oh, bless you. Well, in that case, I'm really glad that everybody else can listen to this conversation because every time I talk to you, I walk away with some kind of gem. (laughs)
1: thank you so much for saying yeah I really appreciate that you're
0: but I am curious about what you said earlier like was it really difficult to accept that you're a bass player
1: <laughs> it's such a cool instrument do you know what it's so funny because um I describe my journey into being in a band and playing bass as completely accidental um I was at school hanging out with a group of friends we were known as the nerd herd <laughs> um, and I'd recently through sort of like standing up for myself and deciding that, you know, it's not very nice to pick on and bully people. I kind of got kicked out of the the townie crew, um, the sort of trainer puffer jacket crew. Mm-hmm. And I'd done a couple of lunches on my own, sort of sat in the, um, I was going to say sat in the gardens. Like where did I, I mean, I went to school, um, in Camden, so it's quite leafy. I went to Parliament Hill Girls School and um, we've got a bit of lawn or whatever so I sat done a few lunch times by myself a few lunchtimes in the library and eventually um, one of my best friends now um, who I've known since secondary school she was like oh do you want to do you want to just hang out with us <laughs> so there I was I was sort of taken into the, the kind and caring bosom of the nerd herd and we'd sit around and <laughs> you know, they were giving me a music education, like through things like what we were looking at the NME and really got into 60s rock and roll, 60s music. We dressed like mods going to school. So eventually the Nerd Herd, which we were, I was now part of, they were forming a band and someone else was billed to play bass, you know, and it was all set up. And I was still fairly new in the friendship and kind of like hanging around and secretly longing to be included. But, you know, There were four pieces, and that had been decided. And then one day it transpired that, you know, she really wasn't that keen on playing the bass. And they said, oh, well, you play clarinet. Do you want to play the bass? It's like, well, not really. (laughs) Can't I play guitar? It's like, well, no, she's playing guitar. It's like, oh, okay, well, um, I'll sing. They're like, well, no, she's singing. I was like, okay, fine. I'll play drums. Like well, she's playing drums. It's literally bass or nothing. So I was like, oh. Bass or bust, huh? Bass or bust. And so I reluctantly was like, okay, fine. I swapped my school orchestra clarinet in for the school bass.
0: Personally, I think you're going up in the world there.
1: Yeah. I mean, my poor mum, when I came home, she was like, where's your clarinet? And what the hell is that? <laughs>
0: this
1: <laughs> giant case took out this like white pearlized bass and was like, yeah, I'm uh I'm in a band now. She's like, what happened to a clarinet? What happened to the orchestra? I'm like, yeah, don't do that anymore. <laughs> and I just saw like a small piece of her piece of her heartbreak. <laughs> and she still says she's like, oh, but the cra- you just looked so she, beautiful cl- playing. the be clarinet quite with you,
0: she was just worried about whether you were going to get your bass stuck in the doors every time you got on the tube.
1: No, I did that. I do that. <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, I'm a
1: reluctant bass player, I kind of signed myself up. I never in a million years had thought about playing bass in a band. Um, And then, yeah, we kind of went through school in this band. Our foursome became a trio and we carried on, carried on playing through uni. Um, At Towards the end of my uni studies, well, I think just after the end, I um, was approached by a mysterious character who somehow got my phone number and um, answered this call, which was, do you play bass? It's like, who is this? What? It's like, you know, I got I got your number from a contact and I'm wondering if you'd be available to join this tour. It's like, okay, tell me more. Supporting bloody public enemy. Oh. What? Yeah, crazy. So I joined this band and um I was on bass and he um the band was called Ezra Bang and Hot Machine. And my previous band was called City Lights. Just, you know, fair representation. Give it to the girls. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, Ezra Bang and Hot Machine. And he originally was like a... He's a singer, rapper. He's from America. Very fucking cool. I was super intimidated just by his, like, creative strength. Um, He really knew what he wanted. He didn't mince his words at all. And uh, working with him... And sort of like rising up to this, these challenges that now became, you know, we're playing shows for like Vice Magazine. We're supporting Public Enemy. We played at Glastonbury. We went out to America, played shows. And I was still in this frame of mind, like this is an accident. I'm not really a bass player. No. I don't really deserve to be here. I didn't own it because I didn't think I deserved to. And looking back, I do really regret that. Mm. Um, but yeah, he... Um, working with him made me an infinite infinitely better musician and it's just he would call it like we were rehearsing once and so it's myself on bass we have a synth player two synth players a drummer he would sing and rap we were this like sonic onslaught punk rap kind of mishmash of just kind of cool and intimidation all at once and um, we we're sort of rehearsing and he kind of stopped he was like okay stop stop looked at me pointed at me and was like are you even thinking about what you're doing right now? It's like, oh my God, that is so rude. But no, I, I actually wasn't. So yeah, good call. But I really did level up playing with him. And then as all good things do, it eventually came to an end. I mean, running a band of kind of, you know, big personalities and on a tiny budget that involved a lot of Ryanair transport to and from <laughs> Berlin um because half of us were based there and trying to get tours organized etc cetera, etc cetera. it basically just imploded and I was bereft like it was like it's the big the biggest breakup I've ever experienced you know and for a while I couldn't even listen to music it was so painful. Oh god and then I sort of had this choice and I remember having a conversation with my brother and he was like look well you're at a position now where you either pick up the music stuff and go hard or you pick up your career because the whole time I was working as an event manager um, he's like you know you can go hard on on one but you can't do both sort of thing that's that's the rationale I derived that in my head for some Mm -hmm. stupid reason so I thought okay I I did the quote-unquote safe thing and thought okay I'm going to invest in my career I'm going to push really hard I'm going to climb that ladder I'm going to get that fat paycheck I'm gonna get that title and and then once I've got all of those things I've got, I've got everything and then I'm gonna do music
0: so many of us do that though so yeah. many of us are faced with this kind of you know this route that would be amazing but feels really unsafe or this route which is not nearly as amazing but whew, that comfort zone oh my god (laughs) yeah and it's like the path
1: that we are socialized into thinking is the right one is the safe one is Mm -hmm. the correct thing and you know yeah for some people that works I mean when you scratch the surface you know works it has there's it works in the sense you know can you pay your bills can you afford nice things yeah but does do you feel fulfilled does it Mm. work in that regard and for me oh it was like chasing a sense of fulfillment that I was missing because I wasn't playing music and so I just kept pouring more and more and more into this career situation climbing these ladders against the wrong walls getting to the top you know And only to find there's another ladder. It was just Mm -hmm. endless. I was miserable. I was burnt out. I was exhausted. I was dealing with a bunch of nonsense from sexism all the way through to racism in various different workplaces. And I had totally lost myself. Mm. And the jolt that hit me was the death of my dad. And you just think, okay, right, here's life saying in no uncertain terms, your time here is finite. Mm. What the F are you going to be doing about it? And I just thought, I don't want to do another, what, 40, 50, 60 years of this. This is endless because I'm not finding, I'm, you know, I'm not getting the dividends from this sort of rat race, you know. I might earn a bit more money, but everything's more expensive. I might earn a bit more money, but then I've got to pay for that holiday to forget the fact that I hate my life, (laughs) you know. It's this endless cycle. And I thought, do you know what balls to it? If you put at least half the effort into your creative practice that you've been putting into these, you know, job situations that do not fulfill you, in fact, they're destroying you. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm moving in circles where... I'm not even sure if you guys even bloody like me. Why am I turning up to these parties and feeling mm. so uncomfortable? You know, um, so I quit, quit my life as it currently was. I went studying MA in music and the whole while I was thinking, right, okay, I'm just a bass player. What the hell am I going to do? And I've also had enough experiences along the way to be like, I do know that if I'm going to do this music thing, I need it to be my voice. It's got to feel like me. I don't want to get bullied off a of project. I don't want to get told what I can and can't do. I really want to explore my musicality fully. And things started to move only when I accepted who I was. You play bass. You like...
0: I was, was going to say, sorry if I No, you, but not' but that at all. little word, just... Mm. Is the thing that kind of makes the difference because once you remove that, it's yeah. not I'm just a bass player, it's I'm a bass player.
1: I'm a bass player.
0: Yeah. Um it's the world of difference.
1: And mm. it, it isn't and it's these little habits that we pick up that are so kind of innocuous and insidious, like how we think about ourselves, you know, I'm just this, I you know, I, I can, I can't do these things because I'm just this and it's like, no, you are fully that thing. Like, mm. you know, and also, even within that, it's like, I'm just a bass player. I, there's certain things that I, I can't do. I don't slap bass. I'm not particularly melodic. I don't have a particularly wild experimental style. You know, I, I just, I love a groove. I hold a groove and I write groove based music that gets people grooving. <laughs> And I, I'm okay with that now, you know, and I spent a long time feeling that I had to be something else. I spent a long time looking at other people's success and how they got there and what they're doing to, to get there and trying to emulate that.
0: No, they dreaded comparisonitis. Oh, God. You know, and you just think, okay, well,
1: I play bass, but I've got to learn guitar. I've never, I've never played. I mean, I can pick one up and strum a tune, an Oasis tune, let's be clear. <laughs> Uh, no shade, no shade on the Gallagher brothers. They're very catchy, but you know, I'm not a guitarist. I'm not a pianist. Hell, I'm not even an amazing vocalist. I'm no Mariah Carey. I can't do your operatics. So, you know, I, I. But I am who I am. I am what I am. I'm the sum of my lived experiences. Like hell, I wish I had this level of confidence. 10, 15 years ago, when I was making that weird choice between okay, do I do music, do I do this career thing? Essentially, am I brave enough to trust myself and follow my heart? Or am I gonna cop out and and do the thing that everyone tells me is safe? You know, but I'm also a firm believer in because you're the sum of your lived experiences, you're always where you're supposed to be. I wouldn't be making the music I do right now. 10 years ago, this is music that is born out of struggle, standing up to racists, standing up to bigots, standing up to sexists, kind of walking into recording studios with any previous band I've ever worked with and being looked through because I'm a woman, because I'm a Black woman. You know, this project, I was resolute in saying, okay, you're going to see me and you're going to hear me. And it's going to be mine.
0: Mm.
1: And, you know, people that I've got out of the habit of cringing when people ask me what, well, what's your band called? And I'm like, Sarah. They're like, oh, and that's also your name. I'm like, yes, it, yes, it is. And <laughs> even naming the project, you know, I, I circled around a lot of names for a long time. Once I had this project, I decided, OK, I'm a bass player. I make music. I, I make groove based music. Fine, it might be simple, whatever, but this is what it is. This is what I do. I'm standing by it. I'm going to own it. And in the end, I thought, I'm going to call the band Sara. And I spell it S A A R A. So it's kind of phonetic as well, because mm-hmm. I get a lot of, oh, hey, Sarah. And again, being a mild mannered people pleaser for many yeah. years, I would not correct people. I've got people now who still like Sarah. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, at some point, in our 15 years of knowing each other, I, I have to correct you that my name isn't Sarah. But there's all these little things actually that just by creating my space for my creative work, by having something that I I have to stand up for it. I have to stand for my work. I have to believe in it. I have to show up. I've got to make space for it. I have to own it. You know, I now t- I now correct people when they get my name wrong. Like it's simple things. I wasn't doing that prior to this working 10 years in an event industry that was going to swallow me whole people calling me sarah susan tracy (laughs) you're like oh okay well fine If, if you can't remember you know all of these these kind of like micro ways in which we are our own destructors you know like we're just I say we I was so in the habit of not standing for myself I didn't stand for anything my life was trash I hated my job didn't really like the friends that I had didn't really like what I was doing I couldn't think about the future didn't like where I was living I felt trapped and I wasn't doing anything about it and I just let everything just happen to me and at me and yeah so you know I'd made this band I called it my name and I just thought oh shit (laughs) I'm really responsible for this now and I have to show up for this. It's cause...
0: empowering. You gave it your name and I think that's really empowering. Yeah. And it's had that effect, I think.
1: Oh, and I definitely feel like I, I kind of made that move and I had to grow into that decision. Kind of the equivalent of, you know, when you sort of like getting your school uniform bought for you when you're like five and you're like, why have you bought me a 10-year-old school uniform? You've got to grow into it. like... <laughs> well I'm gonna be wearing this for the next five years but yeah it was literally that it's like okay I had to get really clear on where I wanted to be who I wanted to be and put that stake in the ground and be like I might not feel like it yet I might still be cringing a little bit and excusing the fact that I've called my band that I've made and I write the music for after my name I got off my sort of high horse of perfectionism, which was keeping me totally stunted. I was like, okay, the music you make today isn't going to be as the music you're going to make next week, next year, five years down the line. Live into the growth of it. You know, you got to show up. You got to do that kind of Olympic athlete training. You don't wake up one morning if you're Usain Bolt and run a hundred meters and break the world record. You're like, you're training. You're in the gym, you're eating right, you're sleeping right, you're doing like the uh, mindset work, you're in the right circles. You know, your friend's like, come and drink and eat chips. And you're like, no, man, I'm training for the Olympics. Like, you've mm-hmm. got to dedicate to your craft. And I really leaned into that this time around and thought the effort that you're putting into things that aren't reciprocating is just wasted. Like, that's, you're drained and you're not happy put your energy where it's going to grow yeah
0: what would you what would you say to your younger self whether that's you know your 10 15 years ago younger self or whether Mm. you go further back oof I'm just trying to think now I'd say
1: yeah I'd even say that kind of when I was making that decision I think where I was I I must must have been sort of like early to mid-20s maybe And I'd go back and I'd say, look, hey, you can do this. You're a musician. You know things. Live into your power. Stop giving your power away. Stop thinking that someone else is going to fix it or, or, for lack of a better word, not quite save you, but just giving up the responsibility of making things happen for yourself. By, you know, waiting for others, waiting for a sign, waiting for approval, waiting for acceptance. And you're waiting for all of those things in spaces that aren't for you, particularly when I think about a lot of the the experiences I've had in, in workplaces, corporate workplaces. You're working so hard to be accepted somewhere where you aren't welcome not fully, not really, as a whole entire person with opinions and knowledge and expertise and skills and passion and joy and laughter and fun, you're not welcome in your entirety in these spaces. You're welcome when you're complementing what's required, when you can support someone else's notion of being a good liberal person, when you can support an organization in their tick box activity of diversity hires like you're in those spaces and you deserve to be there because you're intelligent and you work hard and you contribute but you're not seen for that you know your voice isn't heard for that you're not free to express yourself in that because no one fucking cares (laughs) Mm -hmm. unless you're serving what is required you're not needed you know and I think prior to finding a space in which I could start believing in myself and trusting in myself, I couldn't tell the difference
0: in those spaces. When you talk that way, it just reminds me, like one of the reasons why I love you so much is that you don't just take things lying down Mm. and, you know, it is about breaking those rules.
1: (laughs) I I love that about you where you're like, fuck it, do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm going to do rock and roll. I'm also going to do leather. I'm going to do motorbikes. I'm going to do motherhood.
0: Like, it's like, oh, yeah, like, I love that. It's (laughs) like what you were saying about being a bass player, but also like producing the music, also singing, also running the band. We're not just one trick ponies. And one of my bugbears is this idea that we've kind of got to specialize in one thing and get good at one thing. Yeah. And I've always had issues with that because. I like lots of different things. Yeah. Um, You know, know, and the term being bandied around at the moment is multifaceted. Mm. I quite like it actually, because I think it actually allows me to be the person who's into rock and roll, the person who's into motorbikes. We don't have to kind of comply to this idea of being one thing and only one thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is crazy. You know, when you think about a couple generations prior to us where it's like, You have a job for life. You have a partner for life. Like, (laughs) you know, you have a house for life. Everything is so transient right now. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I'm not saying that's a a good or a bad thing, really, but I think it's about just recognizing that we are so much freer now to just follow the things that inspire you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always have to mean things like it doesn't have to be you know, the bedrock of who you are and you get to change your mind. And I kind of think of it as like, you know, it's just sort of come to me now, but that kind of like the David Bowie effect or the Madonna effect, like you can wake up tomorrow and be a totally different person if you want, (laughs) like change your hair, change your clothes. And it's kind of just living into that. Why cut something off? Because you've made a decision that you're going to be about one specific thing. It's like. Yeah, you can be multipassionate.
0: Yeah, well I mean it also goes back to what you were saying about do I focus on the career or do I focus on the music? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I think if there's one thing that I would really hope that that any listeners would take away it's that you can actually do both. Oh, you can completely. have a career and you can also have this passion that like really excites you. Yeah. Um and you don't have to necessarily know where it's going to go. Exactly.
1: Yeah. It doesn't, not everything has to be a business. Not everything has to be a side hustle. Like you can just literally do it for the lulls and that's absolutely fine. And I think the idea, particularly for me, it's, you know, when I think about that kind of quote unquote career thing, you have to be something and to be something you have, it's a job like your job is who you are, you know, and for me to do music and have space for music and to be an unsigned artist in this world, which I mean, big up Spotify. I love it because the the variety that is at your fingertips and the algorithm that can just DJ you into experiencing mm-hmm. music that you would never have heard otherwise. Yeah. Big fat tick. Love that. As an artist though, you're like, oh, I'm gonna have to get how many hundred thousand streams before I make one P. You know, That so of course, yeah, I have to I have to have another stream of revenue coming in that supports my creative work. So I work, I change careers, I, I don't do event management anymore because that was stifling my creative time and my creative energy. So actually I moved to having something that's a bit more balanced and making a decision about what is it that I want to be giving my energy to? And then how can I support that in in the world of work where I can still turn up and be me and give energy, but still have enough left in the tank for when I get home, I start my second job, which is running my band, Mm -hmm. you know? I'm a musician, but, you know, one is my job that I'm employed to do. One is the the job that the taxman is taxing me for, and one is something that I am creating. You know, if someone stopped me in the street and they says, "Okay, well, what 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 do you do?" Well, I'm a musician. It doesn't matter if I'm uh, making millions or if I'm making pence. What matters to me is that I'm fulfilling and being honest with my creativity.
0: Have you got a kind of career highlight so far in your creative practice of either playing bass or producing music or? I'll be included in a book hopefully next year. What? Yeah, I
1: contributed to, she's a musician and producer and she's writing about creative confidence But we met and we spoke and, you know, I was telling her, I've just started this coaching business. I'm really interested about helping people feel free creatively. And that's what her music seminar. So her section of the event was talking about creative confidence and how to break through blocks. So the idea is for each chapter that she's written, she's got a insert from, I think she's working with a psychologist and then I'll be sort of a coach and creative, and off the back of each topic, it's kind of bringing in a bit of personal experience. Well, at least with my part, a bit of personal experience with a bit of coaching, with a bit of this is in real terms how it might feel as an experience to
0: mm.
1: have a lack of confidence or to be dealing with comparison itis, is what I call it. Um, so, yeah, so kind of with my music work taking me to places, you know, I rocked up to this conference on my, on my own. And I think another thing I've learned recently is when you are empowered to go alone, you are so free in life. Like, and when I think about the amount of time I've wasted and opportunities I've wasted because I've been waiting for someone to come with me. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And you just think, no. So I, I got up one morning and I was umming and ahhing and I was on the fence. I wasn't feeling particularly socially confident that day. I didn't really want to go and network, but it was an amazing program of lectures about creativity, music, music production, practical works, you know, workflow workshops and things. So I was like, go. So I went went to this day, feeling quite sheepish and shy, had a, lots of lovely conversations, but wasn't really sort of in the rub shoulders networking vibe. Decided I'd go for a drink afterwards with everyone. One drink turned into, oh, it's closing time. Mm-hmm. But right at the end of the evening, I got speaking to this lady in, um, you know, I was talking about my motivations as to why I wanted to come to the event. And then I start talking about how much freedom investing in my music has given me as a person and how my confidence has grown and how I actually funnel that now into a coaching platform that I've set up called Control Alt Now, which is about taking control of your narrative Doing the alternative. So, the idea of, oh, should it be my safe bet is this career? And then eventually I'll do creative stuff when I have time. No, no, no. do the alternative to that. Give yourself the time right now and do it now. If you've got that bubble in your stomach, that heart yearning, you're scrolling, you're doom scrolling through Instagram and you're looking at all the people who you're thinking, I want that for me. And you're just thinking, oh, my life's shit do it now, change it now. Okay. You want to be, you want to have a music video with your track premiering on whatnot, make the song, make the video write to the, you know, so, it, and you do it in little steps, but the first thing you have to do is start. And so that's what my coaching platform is about. It's about connecting with creative women who are high achievers like you've ticked a lot of freaking boxes you've done good at school you've got a good job it's good enough good however you want to define that you know maybe you've got a nice place to live maybe a mortgage and then you just wake up one day and you're looking at around you know the bus or the tube and you're seeing the same faces and you're doing the same journey and you're eating the same lunch and you just think where the fuck fuck did it go wrong this mm. was supposed to be it this was supposed to be the be all and end all and I'm going to do this for another 40 years and then I'll start working on my art practice that day will never come because no you I reckon just... it's
0: really hard to sing with dentures as well I mean oh I my god yeah even. yeah maybe yeah you, <laughs> do, you fix it
1: then you definitely have to get in my proper you don't want flying no out <laughs> But um, yeah, so I, 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 not specifically musicians, like anyone who is just done with postponing joy and having access to their creative power. Anyone who is done with being pushed around by life, by being, having their voices silenced, by having their spirit crushed. You know, if you're done with all of that nonsense, invest in yourself, invest in your joy. Everyone has something that brings them joy. Whether you make music like me, you paint, you dance, you bake, you teach yoga, whatever it is, do it. And if you need some help getting started, I will tell you my stories of woe. Of how it took me <laughs> 10 years, 10, 10 years. It's like a bloody life sentence. Do you know what I mean? 10 years of wasting my time pouring into things that did not care for me that left me feeling pretty. Burn out until I discovered the magic of trust yourself, trust mm. your happiness and start creating your life the way you want it to be. Oh yeah, that's, that's bloody simple. But there's a lot of things that you have to dismantle, work through, confront. And that's where my coaching comes in. I help creative people get moving in that journey and even if you're doing stuff now if you want to level it up you know it's just about not holding yourself back anymore
0: this episode is kindly sponsored by plight club a brand whose mission is to change the attitude towards vulnerability by encouraging more conversation around it in order to increase real human connection When you can express your feelings constructively, you can work through your fears, open your heart and find your place in the world. The vehicle for these conversations is clothing or connection clothing as it's become known. Connection is one of my core values, so I'm thrilled to be able to partner with Plight Club so we can join in our collective goal of bringing people together and helping you rebel against staying the same. Sustainable, organic, and rebellious, of course, Plight Club also uses 50% of their profits to fund proactive suicide prevention in the form of coaching, support, and awareness raising, which enables people to understand their emotions and express how they feel constructively. Become a vulnerable with us. For more info on the brand or to buy online, go to plightclub.co.uk or follow on Instagram at plightclubhq. Now, back to the show.
1: One thing that blew my socks off um, was the the song that I was told isn't me and I should stick to writing things that are more fun, tropical and Caribbean flavoured. But it's the first song that I composed for my current project. It's called Forest. And, And I had a couple of reviews and one of the reviews came back. It said, the musical genius behind this track is, oh, I can't remember what the rest of the quote said, but yeah, it, it you know, to be called a musical genius after years of thinking, I'm a fraud, I'm a charlatan, any minute now I'm just going to feel the weight of a very heavy hand on my shoulder and just like, all right, love, let's be having you now, off, off we pop, like, right? leave the rest of these musicians alone and uh, it's, it's time to move on. Um, so yeah, that blew me away, putting work out there in the world and Having people not only experience it and enjoy it, but then consider me to be a kind of heavyweight in production and composition, people, you know, commenting on like the vocal style, the playing style. Yeah, incredible. Um, And then recently we played Upstairs at Ronnie Scott's. And I saw that. Oh we had so much fun and again it's that weird thing um where you kind of go from being that person who's like they're like oh right you playing a band oh okay great 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 it's like oh what you playing a band oh you played at Ronnie Scott's?" So you're like yeah, yeah not that you do it for the recognition but it's kind of like when you feel you've taken that little step up yeah. you know um where you're actually now in spaces that feel resonant with where you've been trying to get to
0: what did that feel like when he played there?
1: Ah, oh, it was amazing. I mean, it felt sort of surreal. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, are you nervous?" I'm like, "I don't actually feel anything. I, I just feel really happy to be here. I feel quite calm." Um, it was an amazing environment. The queue was apparently was ginormous; like people couldn't get in. It was just like, "Whoa, this is insane."
0: I can imagine that, like when you got to Ronnie Scott's your confidence was probably high but from what you've said like everybody else I know you've also suffered from you know comparing yourself to others and not feeling like you're good enough what do you do to get that little self saboteur back in his box
1: yeah and I mean even when you say oh you know approaching Ronnie Scott's and confidence is high and I think the beautiful thing about working with the amazing musicians that I do I'm so grateful to them for being part of this project and just really trusting me um, with this vision. But, you know, I kind of have to be strong for them because if I'm losing my shit, then what the hell? So I do try and kind of keep my nerves at bay. And I think one thing that I found useful and I I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do when this day comes because I'll say to myself is, Well, if your goal is to headline Glastonbury, why are you nervous now? And every gig is important, don't get me wrong. Um, But you just think you've got to learn to control your nerves because actually where you're going, the journey that you're on, you're going to be playing bigger venues to more people with more complications down the line. So save it for them. And it's kind of like with each level up, it's like if you're turning up, with authenticity and integrity and trust, then actually you're not nervous, you're excited. Because it will be what it will be. And when I started to get back into playing live, that's the nature of live music. Sometimes the things don't go your way. Sometimes your head's not in the game. We're human. Sometimes you're just not on your A game that day but that's okay as long as you turn up in the spirit of giving it your very best and trusting the process. So that kind of helps me get the kind of, the more sort of uh, mechanical nerves at bay. And then the kind of the saboteur and the critic, I think one of the things that I think about is that you've already wasted a hell of a lot of time sat on the fence, worrying about being good enough, now you've just got to focus and and get get on it. And if there's things that you are lacking confidence in, work on it. You know, and again, sort of going back to the kind of uh, analogy of being a, an Olympic athlete, be in the gym with your creativity every day. You got to train every day, like train your body, train your mind, train your routine. To support you in giving it everything, you know, and I—I I am still the person, you know. I, I do have this anxiety, even when I'm at home, of like setting up my recording equipment and like trying to play, compose new music, or getting my bass out to practice. And I, the the confidence comes when you know your craft, and the more that time that I've spent learning about my voice, learning about my 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 bass playing skills, you know, like learning who I am as a creative, who I actually am, not who I feel I should be, not who I feel someone tells me I ought to be, not who they are and that I'm trying to emulate. The more time I spend learning who I am, that's where I've started to discover a level of confidence and comfortability, you know, like, I, like I say, I still get nervous. I still doubt myself. The sabbath still rocks up.
0: Mm.
1: But yeah, learning learning about me and saying yes to opportunities. Like if you're not shitting yourself with fear <laughs> over the next thing that you're about to do in life or creatively, then you're not really challenging yourself, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, that that is part of it. But then once you move through that, you know it's kind of you're on the next level and then there's going to be new fears and just learning how to see them and embrace them and learn from them just makes you so much stronger it creatively and in, and in life as well i'd say
0: yeah um i love that you mentioned glastonbury there. Uh, i was going to wow. ask you like what your what your your big vision is or you know sort of you know what are you working towards um is that is that the goal, Glastonbury, or is it part of many different things?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would love to get our music and the message behind our music out to as many people as possible. Because I think also, I know that even in just what we're doing as a band um, and, and what I'm bringing as a creative, like, you know, I'm, I'm old, duh.
0: <laughs> I'm older. Um, I think um, we're about the same age. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll go, we'll go carefully on that
1: one. But there's this premium put on youth. There's a premium put on like looks and beauty and sort of thinness. There's a premium put on um kind of long flowing hair and Aryan looks and wave. Waif- you know, I'm I'm none of the things that particularly in the music industry people are going to put, put their bet on and go, yeah, boom, I'm going to, I'm going to drop a ton of cash investing in, in this project, you know, and I would love to be able to disrupt the scene in a big way with the music industry. I'm a woman, I am black, I'm not from power, influence, familiar, you know, hereditary money. I don't have connections. Like I'm literally grafting from the grassroots up and I write my own music. I produce my own music. I've got a tongue in my head and I'm not afraid to use it. I will tell you what I think. I'm not going to cooperate with bullshit. Like I am not what is out there as standard in the music industry. And I think being able to get on a platform as big as Glastonbury, as big as some of these huge festivals, and just say to anyone else out there who feels that they're too old or they're too this, too that, too undesirable in whatever way, shape or form that they're currently battling with for themselves, to say, do you know what? Fuck that, you can do it. Because if I did it, you definitely can. And you should and you must. I'm
0: speechless you've got my bet anytime, anytime. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna ask you if you'd always been a rebel but then I realized that you hadn't because you were part of the nerdhood so
1: <laughs> we were kind of rebellious in the sense that I mean um we you know would purposely forget our PE kit so that we could go to the library instead of doing sport <laughs> um and I mean during that phase particularly when we hit our mod phase um there was a time that we may have engineered some identification documents in order to get into clubs <laughs> when we were younger. <laughs> and
0: yeah, listen who to this: tried
1: that one. We were going to sixties nights, right? right? You know, it's not like we were clubbing and trying to get into sort of like fabric or passion. No, we were we were queuing up, going to the Wag Club on Wardour Street um, for a night called um, Time Tunnel which amazing. was amazing for like 60s music, dressed as mods. Um, the bouncers were like, um, should you? And one of our friends, my the friend that I referenced earlier, who's, who's quite um, petite and he was like, oh, I'm not sure. How old did you say you guys were? And she's brilliant because she just flipped the script. She was like, don't discriminate against me because I'm small. How dare you? And then from <laughs> that point,
0: it was just, he'd see us come and just be like, all right. you know." Before I let you go. Um, because this has been such an amazing chat. I've loved every minute of it. How do you then add a little bit of mischief to your daily life?
1: Like I say, it's I try and challenge myself every day um, by getting out of my comfort zone um, and doing something that, that feels a little bit scary, that feels a little bit dangerous. I mean, I last weekend I actually played my very first solo show. Oh, which is me on vocals with the bass, that is it, stripped back. And, oh, my gosh. I mean, again, I was in this weird state of I actually didn't really even feel like I was processing what I'd signed up to. And then there was a moment where they called my name to go up on stage and um, I was like, oh, I actually haven't really thought about so. <laughs> but it went really well. Um, and I really, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I think something that I will definitely be doing a lot more
0: of. Where is your favorite place to hang out on social media and how can people find out more about you?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I'm an Instagrammer. Um, haven't quite made that transition to TikTok. It just confuses me.
0: Ah, you and (laughs) me both.
1: Yeah, I'm just like, it's. Uh, what's happening? How do you even find people? No idea. So Instagram is is where you'll find me. Uh, on the music side of things, you can search for Sara Music. So that's S-A-A-R-A, music. If anything, you can find all of my contact details on my website, which is sara.co.uk, S-A-A-R-A.co.uk. And for my coaching platform, it's uk uh so yeah if you're interested in working with me you can also check it out there awesome
0: thank you so much
1: for joining me it's been a pleasure i've absolutely loved this i could talk to you all night Thank
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> i hope you loved today's episode and it made you think differently or perhaps nudged you into changing something in your life that's not working for you I'd love to give you a shout out right here on the podcast too. So let me know what you think, what you'd like to hear more of, or how you've been inspired by what you've heard. Let's keep in touch over on Instagram at mischiefandhide or sign up to my newsletter at zoegreenhalf.com. If you're enjoying being part of the mischief movement, please consider telling a friend or leaving me a review wherever you download your episodes, which will seriously help my mission to inspire and empower more people like us to choose mischief over mediocre. Ciao!
1: Watch out Parkinson, got a new tick in town. (laughs)